Hello and welcome to the Flying Frisbee podcast with me, Dominic Frisbee. And as always, you can read today's piece, you can listen to today's piece, or you can read and listen at the same time. And today's piece is called ARC Conference Day One Recap, Insights on Society's Most Critical Questions. I went to the ARC Conference yesterday to give it its full name, the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. It's an organisation set up by Jordan Peterson, Paul Marshall, Philip Stroud, Alan McCormick and others to develop a better narrative in response to life's most fundamental social, economic, philosophical and cultural questions. I spent much of the day taking notes and I thought I'd write them up here so that readers can enjoy a distilled version without the rigours of having to travel to the depths of London SE and sitting through a lot of talking. What's it like? Marion Somerset Webb texted me on her way in that morning. A bit like a religious gathering, I replied something Tim Stanley also observed in a barbed piece in The Telegraph. I'm quite happy with that, because I am one of the believers. I have to say, the organisers have put together quite a roster of speakers, one massive oversight aside, which was not having me speak. Philippa Stroud and Jordan Peterson hosted the morning events, which began with with the recently removed US Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Peterson, who'd made a brave choice of suit, even by his standards, and I have to say with a little concern, looked exhausted, made the point that we each have a responsibility to do our own little bit if we are to improve things. And in this Noah's flood of podcasts through which we're currently living, I'm kind of done with conversation. So many people now just seem to be regurgitating what others have said. So few seem to see anything original or interesting. And we seem to be on this merry-go-round in which everyone is just commenting on what everyone else has said and nobody's actually creating anything. Moreover, I am kind of done with the panel format. Three guests sitting on chairs, an MC who keeps opening it up to the audience, where the conversation then loses all direction. Give me strength. It's always a good way to go into an event with no expectations, because when reality exceeds expectation, you end up happy. I've posted a link to an article where you can read more about the secret of happiness. So it was here. Lawrence Fox, who's a buddy and with whom I hung out a bit, was in a similarly jaded frame of mind. The writer's great at identifying what the problem is, he said to me over coffee and a fag, but no good at doing anything about it. The problem, I suggested, is that many don't actually know what to do, which is why so much talking goes on. Perhaps the answer lies in Peterson's solution. We each have to do our own little bit in our own little worlds, doing whatever it is we do. That's the nature of free markets and free everything. It starts with the individual and it is a bottom-up thing. Bottom-up thing, I should say. Now, the first panel was about narrative. That had former Aussie Deputy PM John Anderson, who was excellent on the fact that in the Anglosphere we have stopped telling our own story and as a result lost sight of who we are and what we stand for. That was a recurring theme throughout the day. Somali-Dutch activist Ian Hersey, talking about Hamas and Islamic extremism, added that their story is not your story, and your story is not their story, so it's never going to work. She may not have meant it, but it's actually quite a strong argument against multiculturalism. And I love this line from US author Oz Guinness, Freedom is not the power to do what you like, it is the power to do what you ought I went into the break keen to do my own little bit and put the world right and ran into my old boss from GB News, Angelos Frangopoulos, who was similarly 
invigorated. I had a good chat with him. I then ran into Jimmy Carr, of all people, who I know of older. I had a good chat with him, too. I then met Holly Valance, who's a famous actress from Neighbours, if you didn't know, I didn't, and had a good chat with her about home education. So never mind the roster of speakers, the calibre of audience was pretty good too. The next session was hosted by Fraser Nelson of The Spectator, another of the many UK media outlets who has foregone, which has foregone the opportunity to give me work. There was a talk by MP Miriam Cates about mental health and the decline of family. I agreed with pretty much every point she made. Don't read your speeches. Speak them, Miriam. They have more impact when you do. Next, Nelson would interview a chap over video link to the States, Jonathan Hayde, and my heart sank. Have I come all this way to listen to watch a live Zoom call? But guess what? It was brilliant. It was about children and mobile phones. Moral of the story, don't let your kids anywhere near. Mental health, depression, anxiety and suicide rate rates among young women in the Anglosphere in Nordic countries are at all-time highs. They're not so bad among religious conservatives. They are much higher in cultures where female independence is strong, especially left-wing secular liberals who tend to be allowed on their phones more. And it has rocketed since 2010 when we all got smartphones. He talked about the importance of play amongst children, how we've replaced a play-based childhood with a phone-based childhood. Kids see each other and socialise far less now than they used to. Kids don't need connections. They don't need retweets and likes. Even less so do they need all the bullying and shaming that goes on. TikTok messes with your mind and your ability to concentrate, but Instagram is the worst for women and mental health. Hide solution was to not give kids a smartphone before the age of 14, given flip phones, no social media before the age of 16, no phones in schools, not even in your backpacks, as that way kids will find a way to feed the addiction. Get back to play. The rise uh, in teenage suicide is perhaps the biggest problem since we wiped out polio, cholera and mass disease. In the afternoon, Paul Marshall gave a brilliant talk for someone who's supposed to be retiring. He was great. And he didn't read his speech, or if, or if he did, it didn't show. He was particularly good on one of my pet hates, crony capitalism. I even wrote a song about that. He observed how we benefited from capitalism and free markets, peppering his talk with great historical stories. He bemoaned the conflation of capitalism with monopolistic capitalism, crony capitalism, what he called swamp capitalism, describing US politics as a continuity swamp. And he called for a politician with strength to stand up to vested interests. He didn't say anything particularly new, but it was one of the best summaries of everything I had heard in a long time. We are both singing so loudly from the same soul sheet, I felt he must have been studying my stuff. Doubt he has. Though he didn't mention the zero patients in all of this, our systems of money and tax. Then there was another video link with US presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy on the campaign trail in Utah or somewhere I've never been to. He went down very well in the room too. Merrin Somerset Webb hosted a good panel on ESG investing. The S in ESG is totally subjective, said Derek Kreifels, while Terry Keeley called it the biggest misallocation of capital in history. The general takeaway is that ESG is done. The arguments have been lost. Even the FT is now slagging it off. 
It is, I'd say, roughly where the Nazis were in 1943 after they failed to take Moscow and winter set in. Uh, so Michael Schellenberger, not a man with whom I was previously familiar, was next and he came out with my line of the day. Pull back the curtain and there is no Wizard of Oz, just Greta Thunberg with a really bad religion. His main theme was debunking climate alarmism and he argued that carbon emissions are improving, sea levels are not an issue, if the Netherlands are anything to go by. The reason northern countries are so wealthy is that the harsher conditions forced us to develop more. Deaths from climate disasters are down 90%, he said, against a population that's four times bigger. There's more worrying about death from drugs. Um, we can't say much of this on the internet, though, because you get censored. Climate change is a religion. Nihilism, nihilism leads to secular religions and not very good ones. There are three new secular religions. They are climate, race and gender. Climate change is also a psychopathology, and most activists have some kind of personality disorders, often narcissism. Frequently, they are just spoiled children. The answers lie in increased efficiencies. The fact that the amount of land required to make the same amount of food is decreasing is good. It means more land for nature. The fact that less material is required to, to make things and do stuff, e.g., all the things you can do on your phone, a Bluetooth speaker versus a stacked stereo from the 1980s is another example. Think of the woman who used to have to cook food using dung and wood. Gas has been liberating for her. The solutions lie in gas and nuclear, not in solar, the panels for which are made by slave labour in concentration camps in China, nor in wind, the blades of which do not recycle or decompose. A panel next with Alex Epstein and Marion Tupi made similar points and was great. Epstein's argument was that so much of environmental philosophy is just anti-human. That is the underlying problem. We ignore the human flourishing effects of fossil fuel to be anti-human. While Tuppy pointed out how much better we are, we are producing resources and using them so that their prices uh, fall. Eventually, we will create elements through nuclear fission or mine them in outer space where they are plentiful. I liked Tuppy. Humans create as well as destroy. Atoms may be finite, but knowledge is infinite, and the more knowledge you consume, the more you end up with. We need freedom and we need population. We need the freedom to explore, to think, to invent, to experiment. And it is so much better when the market, not the government, chooses the winners. In the final session of the day, historian Niall Ferguson spoke and described our liberal democracy, which in the context of the world today and in history is tiny. And it's now under threat, both from within, so that many may not dare to speak or explore issues because they're scared of the backlash, and from outside, beware the alliance between China, Russia, Iran and North Korea. I did enough. I'd had enough talking by this point, so I left the auditorium, had a cup of tea, and did some networking. I hope this summary was useful. In other words, in other news, I'm working on a piece on the S&P 500, which could be set up for a good year-end rally. I'm also working on something to do with gold. who's finally catching a bid. New eyes around the corner? Maybe. We're going to need them if juniors are to finally catch a bid. Watch out for those, or listen out for those. Thank you very much for listening. Please rate and review the podcast. Until next time, goodbye.